Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome back. Fifth episode this week. It's been a while since we've been able to do that, and we're going to finish up with Ben Taylor. I promise this time this will be uh, the last one as we declare an all-decade champion. But we have some news that has piled up. Let's get to that here as we're recording this late on Thursday. Let's start at the bottom of the alphabet here. The Washington Wizards, completely destroyed by injuries right now. Remember, Thomas Bryant is already out for them. Riha Chimura is to miss at least the next five games with a groin issue. Mo Wagner missed his third straight in their 18-point fourth quarter collapse against the Bulls on Wednesday. So they basically have two healthy guys who can even pretend to be bigs. One is Bertans. And the other one is our old friend Anjesh Pachniks, who was signed to a two-way. He actually closed that OT game against the Bulls. In other news, CJ Miles with that foot issue. The Wizards have been granted a $4.37 million disabled player exception. Remember, that enables you to either trade for a player making up to that amount in the last year of his deal, or you may sign a player for up to that amount. Wiz currently have about $4.5 million below the tax. If they do want to do some trading, though, they might want to retain some of that room. I don't necessarily see them making a trade here. We don't have an idea how long Wagner is going to be out necessarily. Bryant should hopefully be back within the next couple of weeks based on that initial timeline. Also of note, uh, Wizards GM Tommy Shepard said on a podcast that uh, they intend to keep Davis Bertans. He has been the subject of trade rumors, mostly because he's played so well, and I think teams who are contending believe that they can help him. Really depends on whether the Wizards are willing to pay up for him if he continues to shoot it like this. There's been a lot of great work done on just the level of shooter that he's become able to make contested shots at 6'10", sprinting off of screens. Really, really valuable offensive player. I think he deserves a ton of credit for how good this Wizards offense has been uh, considering their overall lack of talent beyond Bradley Beal. So I'm sure his name will come up a lot more during the trade deadline. Whether you intend to keep him or not, this is what you say if you want to drive up his his value in theory that you got to bowl this over with an offer and they probably haven't made a decision yet either on whether they want to keep him around and you know is that going to be 20 million a year for him it, it wouldn't be absolutely shocking frankly the way he's shot the ball here i'd be interested to see how he fits in as a starting power forward on a team that's got a little more defense around him in Utah, bad news for Mike Conley Jr. He, remember, initially had a setback when he tried to ramp up his activity about a week and a half ago. Then he returned on Tuesday and had to leave the game again after only 19 minutes. He's now expected to miss multiple games and could, in fact, even miss multiple weeks. Reporting there by Tony Jones and Shams Charania. For Toronto, looks like Fred Van Vliet might make his return on Friday. He didn't play on Wednesday against the Pistons. He's had that knee issue 
initially termed a contusion. Also, they are running into some additional injury issues with Norm Powell having to leave on Wednesday with a shoulder issue. He could potentially miss some time. He's supposed to get reevaluated on Friday, but he ran into a screen set by Blake Griffin and was in considerable pain. So at a minimum, you'd have to expect that it's something that's going to affect him, even if he's able to play through it. And then Marc Gasol, never a good sign when you have to leave the game with the hamstring injury. Looks like it could be something that's not going to be just a low-grade hamstring injury. We haven't gotten an initial update on that happened in the first quarter on Wednesday against the Pistons after he'd had his best game of the year of 17 points and 15 rebounds, at least statistically, in the previous game. So that means Serge Ibaka is going to play. Chris Boucher is going to be their backup center. In Phoenix, James Jones, their GM, hopeful that Devin Booker can finally return on Friday with that forearm issue that kept him out maybe longer than expected. And this is concerning here with Cam Johnson. He didn't play against the Clippers on Tuesday. He'd been battling left hip soreness for about a week. Uh, Unclear whether he's going to play in their next game on Friday, but recall that there were concerns about his hip in the draft. That's one reason why he was considered potentially reach the other is the perceived lack of upside. He'd actually been playing well. He closed the game as I mentioned with Josh Lloyd earlier in the week against Portland on Monday. The Knicks, Alonzo Trier has missed three straight with a concussion. You would think at some point they're going to try and get him some more minutes, but he's yet another one of these on-ball guys. The fit can be pretty tough with him and their other players. Reggie Bullock is finally cleared to practice coming off that neck surgery. Recalled that he was going to get paid a lot more this summer, and then this neck surgery emerged, and he ended up getting a two minus one at the room exception my recollection was he was supposed to be getting about eight million or so initially that's what enabled the knicks to sign marcus morris instead also worth noting that dennis smith is getting dmps now alfred payton has been playing pretty well under the mike miller renaissance slash dead cat bounce so with that being the case, uh, several teams, uh, according to Ian Begley, are interested in trading for Dennis Smith Jr., one of them being the Wolves. Wolves uh, don't have much in the long term at point guard. They've obviously been linked to D'Angelo Russell as well. And then this is something else I talked about with Josh Lloyd a little bit. Mark Stein reporting that the Pelicans would consider trading Drew Holiday. Josh and I talked a little bit about what kind of package would be required. That's another one I'm sure we're going to get into as we get closer to the trade deadline. Minnesota aforementioned Carl Anthony Towns could miss multiple games with a sprained left knee he did not play last night as they got crushed at home by the Pels who are on a 12 game losing streak Minnesota pretty hopeless without Carl Anthony Towns in Miami Goran Dragic had that groin issue he's hoping to return Friday against the Knicks per Woj and Justice Winslow no word on him getting closer with that lower back strain likewise with kyle kuzma in la keeps getting ruled out a day in advance with that ankle sprain and recall of course he's had uh, foot issues causing him to miss the start of the year this is big news for the clippers amid the morass of environmental regulations and the general impossibility of building anything in california that we californians all know and love Gavin Newsom, the governor, signed a bill fast-tracking the arena, meaning that environmental objections are to be adjudicated within the next year or so. And this would set up a timeline for construction to start in 2021 on that new Clippers arena in Englewood. Of course, there is also the lawsuit ongoing with the forum in a separate action that's not related to the state regulatory issues. 
but this would mean that they can leave Staples Center when their lease ends in 2024. And congratulations, Clippers. Only took you about 10 years or so if you get it done in 2024 to uh, build this arena. Jermichael Green also has missed a bunch of time now with a bruised tailbone, and he's supposed to be back in the next few games. In Detroit, Blake Griffin actually returned against Toronto on Wednesday. Recall that he had had to leave with left knee soreness. He got an MRI and was able to come back. My guess was that he felt, hey, I am got this soreness. Maybe it's smarter to leave the game. But it turned out that nothing showed up on the M- MRI. And so, you know, maybe it was the type of thing where you could play with it. But he's like, hey, I've got this soreness. Is it smart to do so? And they gave an MRI. And maybe that's just how it's going to be for Blake now. But it does seem pretty clear to me that this is something he's been struggling with. He's had that sleeve on his left knee all season. He had the surgery last year. Hasn't looked nearly the same as he did when he was uh, so key in their playoff push a season ago. Reggie Jackson, there's supposed to be an update on him. Tuesday, there was not. Meanwhile, Christian Wood suffered a left knee injury on Wednesday. Looked a little scary at first, but uh, he banged knees. Was said to have avoided serious injury. May miss some time. It's unclear whether that's the case or not. Cleveland, another rookie we We've been waiting to see in part because they have so little on the wing. Dylan Windler, not necessarily going to solve their defensive issues, but they do need more just off ball players as well in Cleveland. But we're not going to see him for some time here. He had a setback in his return from that left leg stress fracture. Remember that that was supposed to be something that was going to keep him out maybe the first couple weeks of the season. And so they've been exceedingly cautious in bringing him back. And he again had this setback. So no on-court activities for him for two weeks. And you would imagine that uh, it would be another two weeks after that of ramping up and caution before he could get on the court in theory. Another player, just we have not seen him hardly at all this year. Otto Porter, still out another three weeks. Discussion that that his foot was going to be immobilized during that time. So, I mean, this is starting to feel like he could be out for the entire year. And yeah, the Bulls uh, really need him. We talked before the season how he is their most indispensable player because they don't have any threes. And that means that Chris Dunn is now starting at the three. And Dunn certainly uh, has ramped up his defense. He's been one of the best defensive guards, maybe the best defensive guards in basketball. But if Chris Dunn is your starting three, it does make it really tough for the offense. He's made a couple of three-pointers lately, but you're just, they ran into this problem last year where there just wasn't the spacing. And Chandler Hutchinson, who might also be a potential source of relief, but also can't shoot at the three. He's been out for some time with a shoulder. He was doubtful against the Wizards on Wednesday, so probably don't think he's going to play in their next game either. Yet another frustrating injury absence to talk about where Kyrie is still not cleared for contact, did not accompany the Nets on their trip. I'd just like to thank the Nets and the way they handle injuries for just making a bunch of work for me and everyone else to have to give these constant updates instead of just saying, yeah, he's going to miss three weeks, check back in later. Gordon Hayward now is out with a sore left foot and Brad Stevens revealed, I appreciate the transparency here that he had been feeling this for over a month before he had to miss time with that thumb injury. And this is also concerning because the left foot is, of course, the same foot to which he suffered that gruesome fracture in the first game of the 17-18 season. So this is a big concern. He tried a cortisone shot. That didn't help. I think he's going to probably have to miss a lot of time, but it looks like this is something that could plague him. And really a shame because he had been playing so well. 
Last thing here before we get back to Ben. After Atlanta suffered a 143 to 120 loss to the Knicks, not exactly an offensive powerhouse to date. This is now becoming a regular occurrence of this team giving up a buck 40 or more. They've already given up a buck 50 in two games this year. Some very negative quotes, uh, basically establishing that this is yet another nadir for the Hawks season. Chris Haynes had a story then crafted as only Chris can do it with the headline being Lloyd Pierce not on the hot seat yet and then of course talking about all the source issues that everyone seems to have with Lloyd Pierce from a macro view I would say that every single issue that the Hawks have had is something that was very obvious when you just looked at their personnel before the season it was obvious they weren't gonna be able to stop anybody it was obvious that the center position sucked It was obvious that they had absolutely nothing at backup point guard and they can't score at all with Trey Young off the floor. And that's why they have been terrible. And now it does seem like there are some internal issues that are developing. Vince Carter has had to play way too much. Obviously, they've missed John Collins as well. He's going to be back, uh, I think, on Monday. But it's getting to the point now, and remember there was that report a couple of weeks ago from Shams that a Hawks front office person was seen telling Trey Young, yes, like we're going to get you some help. And and that seems a little odd for where they are uh, on a path. But with Young being this good, or at least thinking that he's this good, and yet the team being this bad, that leads to some tension. This isn't the process Sixers where nobody had any expectations of winning. Also worth noting that, remember, they won about, I think, seven games more than expected based on their point differential a year ago. So everyone in the organization now is thinking... 29 win team we're just going to build from there but really you're starting from a 22 win baseline and if they had just won 22 games last year there probably would have been different expectations for this group but discussion of a lack of accountability a lack of discipline i don't know this to be true but certainly it would seem like trey was one of the sources just reading between the lines there and that he is growing increasingly frustrated whether it's with the organization or the coach they just have a lot of rookies i mean you knew that cam reddish who wasn't necessarily even an effective player at duke last year if you told me he was going to be in the starting lineup and gifted all these minutes you knew that they weren't going to be good either so it does seem like there's a a lot of tension here and if i externally had to put blame on someone for the situation i would look at travis schlank because if the goal was to take a step forward in competitiveness, which, you know, as when you, they have $60 million in cap space this offseason and could even create more, maybe you might not want these sorts of headlines. You might want to actually have shored up some of these issues, which, you know, backup point guard, a decent center. These are things that, like, you could have done at not a ton of cost. You know, Jabari Parker has been starting, but I, I don't know how much he helps them. They took on Solomon Hill's contract and just punted on $12 million in, you know, a pretty bad value trade. So there are a lot of things that they could have done to be better this year that I don't think, you know, the Hunter trade doesn't look like it worked so far. And this is all stuff that we were saying at the time. So I had feared when I saw the summer's moves, you know, it really seemed like, oh, the Hawks are up and coming. Travis Schlank, he got the extension. He's doing a great job. I'm like, you know, the perception of this group might have been at an all-time high this summer. And, you know, we'll see what they can do in free agency this year. But they've made a big bet on Reddish and Hunter in particular and those guys don't seem to be doing a ton maybe hunter if you get more around him can look better and maybe they'll look better if they get john collins um and josh lloyd and i also talked about how the return of collins is going to affect things for them all right we'll take a quick break and we'll get back to finish up the decade tournament 
as I lick my wounds from uh, my team 2013 Miami getting beaten by the lower-seeded 2016 Cavs uh, as we finish the last episode. Um. Okay. Um. Well, that's it for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh. Number two seed 2016 Warriors. Number ten seed 2016 Thunder. The Warriors won this in actuality. They weren't healthy. Um. I think. This one ultimately goes six for Golden State. Um, I do think that the 2016 Thunder, you know, given even in the regular season against Steph, uh, those home games look pretty good. Uh, that the Mega Death lineup was something that with Sergi Baca at center was something that the Warriors really struggled to deal with. It did. This is another one though where as the series wore on, the Warriors did better and better and won three straight at the end. So. You can also point to the idea that if we're continuing, the trend is in favor of the Warriors and they are healthier than the Thunder. So I think I think 4-2 Warriors is where I end up here. I am very excited to say, after our last brouhaha, the kerfuffle that we just had, that I completely agree. Yeah, I, I mean, do you think there are any points that, that are being missed here? I, like, this, this is one where, now, you can make the argument that, hey, Game 6, that crazy clay game, that doesn't happen again. You can make that argument, but I think what it ultimately comes down to, to me, is without the fast break and the offensive rebounding, the 2016 Thunder just don't score well enough against those. Warriors. Exactly, and I think that was an issue in Game Seven of that series. I mean, look, when we say it's kind of funny how powerful the result is when we say the Clay Thompson game is not going to happen again. We know it's not going to happen again. It's going to be a completely different series. It might be the same in terms of outcome of games or tenor, and that's my focus. And I think when I look back at that yeah. series, even with Curry being not 100%, they're just the athleticism and the size of Oklahoma City was a thing. But they played two games in the regular season. Uh, Golden State won in OKC in that classic game. I think they beat them by like 20 in Oakland. They they just were OKC didn't have enough offense at the end for me to really you know consider going the other way here. So yeah, I'm um what what do you say six games? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think the other thing to point to also is 2016 Thunder, not exactly known for their execution in the clutch, whereas that Warriors team was one of the greatest clutch teams that we've ever, ever seen. And finally, that magic failed them in the only close game in that series, which was game seven in the finals. But that was, uh, they they really, I mean, the Thunder did win game one on the road, which was a relatively close game. But I think if it gets down to close games, the Warriors have a massive advantage. Agreed. All right, this one, 2018 Rockets, number six seed, 2014 Spurs, number three seed. I'm going to take the 2018 Rockets in six games, even without the home court. So this is our last quarterfinal, right? Yes. 2018 Rockets versus 2014 Spurs. Yeah, and I and I do th- I think it would be a seven-gamer, but just when it's the road team, it makes more sense to pick them in six. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I think this is as close as could be, even though I'm picking a six-game series, to be clear. But I just, I think that, the only way you could stop that 2014 Spurs is if you could switch, but I don't think the 2014 Spurs really have much of an antidote to switching. Can you give me a, a quick synopsis on maybe piggybacking off that last point, how you kind of see the series going on both sides? Like, in other words, the Rockets still do their thing, and then the Spurs can't get quite as much from their offense. Is that what you're saying? Kind of break it down for me. Well, okay. So, so here's, a, yeah, I, I think. 2014 Spurs 
can defend the Rockets pretty well. I think they would use a pretty similar strategy against Harden to what we saw in the 2017 playoffs, and that worked uh, really rear view contesting, essentially forcing Harden to drive conventional pick and roll defense. Um, now, how would the Spurs deal with James Harden saying, okay, well, I'm going to just have Tony Parker or Manu Ginobili or Patty Mills's or Marco Bellinelli's man come screen for me, and then I'm going to go into my ISO game uh against that guy how could the spurs deal with that uh, deal with the step back three-pointer from Arden? that I, I wonder about um i think really though this ends up being more of a defensive series i also think chris paul working against the spurs he usually played pretty well against the spurs in conventional pick and roll defense his mid-range game i think could hurt the spurs um but the switching on defense to the rockets that's where they win this series to me because the spurs as awesome as they were i don't think they really had an answer to score against a switching defense who is the individual because Kawhi is not Kawhi so yet who's going to go one-on-one and score uh, against this rocket switching defense which we saw for long periods shut down one of the greatest offensive teams of all time that had more iso ball ability in the 2018 Warriors I don't see how who's going to beat those switches for the Spurs and the Spurs to me back in 2014 you can't learn enough to beat switches with just you know system ball in a week. Yeah, yeah, that that is a compelling argument to me. Um, man, it's a bummer. Love that Spurs team, but I do think I do think here the idea. Okay, let me flip it and put it this way: Who's the closest team in 2018 to playing that motion heavy non ISO style passing, moving, and shooting? Who's the closest team in the NBA in 2018 to that style that was excelling? If you're gonna say the Warriors, I I would say no so who do you think it is it's not them I, i'm not sure who you would say it is uh, at this point i mean because i mean i was curious i was curious if yeah. you were going to say the warriors because no because the, the the amount of shooting that the warriors had i mean the warriors motion it's based on getting guys open 25 feet from the basket yeah um i, I mean i just i don't think like the spurs game looked incredible but it relied on getting the initial penetration off moving the ball pick and rolls dho's i mean they're the first team really using dho's a ton as well you know those loop sets that that they'd run so parker ginobili getting into the lane against a conventional style of defense and then using their passing and shooting to just kill you but if you're i just don't see them getting the initial opening against this rockets team that'd be my argument against them i think they got a lot of extra stuff from not just dho's and loop and zipper whatever but i mean even little like those little rub cuts you en- enter the ball into duncan and just run by and teams weren't switching that you get a layup like three times yeah. a game but the rockets i mean remember this rockets team is optimized to guard even yeah. Yeah. the 2018 2017 2018 warriors and like the spurs are just a is this where you're going with that exactly yeah that's where argument? i was going yes yeah. i was trying to stage a wonderful argument against myself uh, it's a cl- <laughs> it's a classic taylor move all right what uh how many, so, how many so what's, games? what's your pick here? Yeah. Uh, I, I had Rockets and six. Yeah, I agree. Wow. Wow. So what did you, what the hell did you pick them third for then? Just just as a respect to what they did, like statistically? Absolutely. And also yeah. learning the rules of the tournament on the fly and really eating a steady dose of crow because I think the the challenge with that fourteen Spurs team, they to me are one of the greatest teams ever within the season. But when you play them forward in this tournament, the thing I wasn't giving enough justice to is how 
I think, how they would lose some of the edge that they generated against future teams. And unfortunately, this is like the future team. This is the cyborg coming back through the portal from the past, custom made to to kind of stifle, I think, their strengths on probably both ends, which is a lot to take in or a lot to overcome. Yeah, I mean, the one thing, I think they can guard these this Rockets team okay because uh, of the perimeter defenders they have with Kawhi and Danny Green and... Uh, then they have a lot of trees at the basket with Duncan still. Uh, you know, Splitter isn't the greatest rim protector. You know, I think with Harden going downhill at Splitter, he's going to be able to score on him. But against Duncan, he's still massive at the basket. Um, and and it, I think it could look a little bit for Harden like that 2017 series did. Um, and Pop also does a great job of coaching his guys up to not foul which I think is important against both CP and Harden. I do think that the Spurs need to guard the Rockets really well, but I think the the Rockets will take away from the Spurs even more than uh, the Spurs could. But Yeah, I mean, it's a bad, to me, it's a bad matchup for the 2014 Spurs in this tournament. And I mean, Ben Dole's already moved him through, so it's official. But yeah, they, uh, <laughs> they, I just don't think they have quite enough. And to be clear, I don't think either of us are saying they're going to get run off the court. It's just, I mean, six-game series, still probably a decently competitive series, but I just think the edges, when you line up the edges, there's more to like on both sides of the ball for what Houston excels at versus what made San Antonio differentiate from the competition. Yeah, and I think they're really, the Spurs are really just hurt by being four years earlier in time and the Rockets evolving specifically to deal with that motion, as you alluded to. So you deprived me of the team that I actually thought would have the best chance of beating the 2017 Warriors in this group, which is would have been the 2013 Heat. Um, I, I thought they would match up pretty well. We've got 2017 Warriors against 2016 Cavs. I mean, maybe I maybe it's my own fault. Maybe I just did too shitty of a job of arguing for the 2013 Heat. Um, but I I just I don't yeah. think the 2013 Heat are going to have the gear to take away. I mean, we don't have to litigate it because they got eliminated. But what was yeah, what was no, going to no, be? I mean, I'll I'll be filing my appeal <laughs> later on. But for now, we we talked about that enough. I lost. I will. We, uh, we're not on the Rockets anymore. We're on the yeah, Cavs I'll, now. Yeah, I'll just stew here. So 2017 Warriors, 2016 Cavs. Uh, we saw this basically this matchup in the 2017 finals. Um, 2017 Warriors, all three of the games in Oakland were not competitive. Uh, game three was competitive. KD hit that big shot easily. 2017 Warriors easily could have lost that if Kyle Korver just hits a wide open corner three. Uh, and then obviously the 2016 Cavs go nuts. Uh, historic offensive first half. I think they had 88 points in the first half in, in game four of that series. Yeah. Um, I was at the supermarket yeah. during that game watching it on my phone as I shopped and I saw a friend of mine who worked there and he said, what's the score of the game? And I said something like 86 to 58 in the second quarter. And he looked at me and he said, that don't make no sense. No, actually, no. The halftime score of that was 86 <laughs> to 68. Yeah. yeah, they scored a lot of points um, in that game. But I, yeah. I don't think it's it's tough to argue 2016 Cleveland could get much of anything against that team um given how similar the 2017 yeah. Cavs were yeah I mean I think we made the argument when we were trying to decide initially of 2016 Cavs or 2017 Cavs uh I think 2016 Cavs are better defensively uh James in particular is better defensively yeah agreed. now he's still got to guard KD and you know he was guarding Draymond in the 2016 series and he was more of a help defender but I mean the 20 2016 Cavs Richard Jefferson maybe is a little bit better the level he was playing yeah, at in the playoffs. Tristan was better, I thought. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. 
So I, I'm willing to go 4-2 rather than 4-1, also acknowledging that, you know, I think uh, Warriors win all the games in Oakland pretty easily, and then they squeak out one on the road. Cavs squeak out one at, at home, and then there's one Cavs blowout at, at home. That's kind of how I see it going. Um, That's fine. I would have gone five in in favor of the Warriors, but well, yeah. I mean, I guess it, yeah, I guess it would have had to be they'd be at, they'd be at home in Game Five, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you look at it that way too, yeah, maybe it would be. Um, you know, Cleveland would have had to have won both three and four at home does ben doll have the performance of these teams as we go through the tournament like do we know the 2017 warriors record heading into the finals are they are they 12 and 2 did we give them a loss in the last series and a loss here um yes yeah, so, so you're playing saying 4-1 here and i think uh, yeah in the uh the conference finals i think so yeah i was just looking for some analytics on our tournament yeah uh yeah so warriors have won i think we had them losing one game in each of these runs so this would be yeah they're uh they're 12 and 3 go- going into it. i I, w- I will cede to you because uh we know if i argue with you uh, i'm gonna lose <laughs> no you that's uh it was redemption for me after some of the fantastic arguments you had earlier you, you, what do you mean the earlier one you talked me right i just i feel like degrees. i feel like i feel like i let let down the entire city of miami i let down eric spolstra pat riley does brooks no failure I just wasn't prepared enough. I just didn't do a good enough, I'm gonna, good enough job. Tweet, tweet at us. Tweet at us. <laughs> I'm going to be reading the mentions that the 2013 Heat would have beaten the 2016 Cavs. Oh man, uh, this is. I'm going to be reading these mentions for months. You get um, in next June. What were you thinking going against Duncan with that 2016 Cavs team? Um, yeah, I mean, also just for drama, I wish we would have had the Heat, and because we know what already happens in this matchup, but. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. So yeah, I mean, very interesting that all of our final four teams have, are within a two-year period. Um, okay, 2016 Warriors, 2018 Rockets. This is a good one. So I think one argument that you could make is what happens in 2019, the series where KD goes down and the 2016 Warriors in a quarter and a half beat the 2018 Rockets uh, or the 2019 Rockets. Um whatever well, number yeah, yeah. 2019 and yeah. 2019 I, I, I'm, I'm with you i think the yeah. i think the other argument the other angle i'd take is that the rock the 2018 warriors do you do you think the 2018 warriors were that much better if at all than the healthy 2016 warriors i'm not convinced of that well especially as they face the rockets remember steph curry yep is uh, he I had mean, another injury injuries come in too i mean these are both some teams that struggle a little bit with injuries i think that that you know, if you're going to play this series a hundred times, uh, you know, you're probably, I think you probably even like the health of the 2016 Warriors better than the 2018 Rockets. I mean, Steph Curry at least played, you know, 79 games that year. He played uh, a bunch of games the, the year before. So, I mean, he's in 2016, he's basically been entirely healthy for almost three full seasons. Now, I guess the other question, and also, I mean, 2016, they're coming off of the 73 wins. They're tired. We're erasing all of that now the fatigue of the 73 wins yeah and and that to me and, and uh remember they if the if they're starting a new season right now they have won 24 games in a row at the start of the season well i think i'm gonna go back to the same argument i made against my 2014 spurs team yeah yeah okay with with the rockets is that where you were you were yeah yeah that that the rockets have just two more years of experience of dealing with this uh, the style of play that the Warriors have, which is going to chip away at it a little bit, but then there's another component of that Spurs team as well, which is that the 
Rockets regular season performance probably overstates a little bit. Like in the in the playoffs, even before Chris Paul got injured, their numbers came down a little bit. They looked a little bit more normal. They were like 40 and two with that starting lineup in the regular season. And that's still small enough to have a little noise. And then in the playoffs, they were like 11 and four. Uh, although I know people from Houston are going to say Luca and Bamute was out as well, but he's like the yeah, seventh. He, he, he would really help their defense a lot against this 2016 yeah. Warriors. That's, that's true. Um, yeah, he was out. I mean, also Andre Guadala misses after game three. And the Warriors had kind of dominated the series through three games. Uh, Steph is coming off the MCL in 2018. He and he's just to me an order of magnitude better in 2016. Yes, um, yes. And, and he's able to beat these switches in a way that I mean, the switching against the 2016 Warriors didn't work because Steph was just like put guys in the mix and launched threes over him and score. But but the critical question to me about the 2016 Warriors is still. How much, and I've tried to watch Curry and how teams have played this since the middle of that season, and it kind of evolved even through the playoffs. And now we see different coverages on this. Back then, he had an advantage because teams would still leave bigs on the court. They would still go under. They still wouldn't respect yeah. a 29-foot pull-up. The league has completely changed its approach to that. 2018 Houston has that information, and they have a team designed to take that away. How much does that chip away? That has to take away some of the sparkle from that incredible offense when he's healthy. But my question yeah. is, how much does it take away? Does it take away enough? I'm not sure. So, yeah, I, I, I think – and the other thing, too, to me is that 2016 Warriors defense is better to me than the 2018 Warriors defense with Iguodala, Draymond. Bogut. Also remember remember Draymond can shoot. Yeah, season? that's a huge one. If we're if we're like he hit five threes in game 7 of the finals. Yeah. I mean he shot what 36%, like 38%. 38% and he just his stroke looked better. Yeah, um, a big part of what they did was not guard Draymond at all and Draymond is actually like a pretty decent offensive player. Uh, but in that 2018 series again that we're talking about here so yeah I, you know i think that's a good point of 2016 warriors being better than 2018 warriors especially when you consider some of the injuries there um also like steph during that period w would really kill chris paul um and this is a two years later chris paul i don't think chris paul's iso game is really going to work that well against the 2016 warriors the other advantage you have too is 2016 warriors can switch up they can either switch or they can go with the sort of 2017 Spurs, uh, 2018 Utah approach against Harden as well with Bogut in the game. Now, when Bogut's in the game, I don't think the, the Warriors are going to score that well. But I think what this ultimately comes down to, to me, is 2016 Steph is better than 2018 Harden, especially as a playoff player. Uh, you know, Harden has had these failures in the playoffs we talked about. Um, and then I also think the 2016 Warriors have way better defensive personnel, ultimately, than the 2018 Rockets, even though the 2018 Rockets got a ton of, out of defensive personnel that you know was not that amazing um so i think that still to me beats the uh 2018 rockets having the experience advantage however we want to quantify that and kind of being built to beat this team from two years earlier 2018 rockets uh have it here they shot when they were healthy they shot 37.7 percent from three as a team the Warriors, when they were healthy in 2016, shot over 42%. That's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, Steph Curry, he's, yeah, it's just like, like we still, it's just such a shame that we never got to see him at full strength in those playoffs to see what it was that he could do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so I think, 
and, and I alluded to it earlier, some of the... I would also say one more thing here. I think the Warriors have a little bit of a coaching advantage of Kerr over D'Antoni. I, you mean in terms of going into this series, matchups, flexibility, I, I would agree on yeah. that front. Yeah, yeah. Um, I alluded to it earlier, just one more stat I had on the 18 Houston team in the 15 playoff games before Chris Paul... Uh, injured his hamstring at the end of game five their offense was about plus five so it, it came down there is a little it's it's an incredible team um so incredible that i'm going to give them a lot of respect here but i'm i'm gonna go warriors and i'm gonna say six or seven even i could see this series going i think i'll go six ultimately i think the rockets have just another game six collapse the fans are shaking their heads uh, about it but I, I think it ends up, you know, being a dogfight for the first five games of the series. I think the 2016 Warriors, as the series goes on, begin to figure out that switching defense a little bit. I do think the Rockets make it ugly for a couple of games. But I think ultimately, uh, 2016 Warriors take it. They also have home court, obviously. But I'm going to go six games here. So that leaves, I'm with you on six. Six sounds good. And that leaves, uh, shocking teams at the finish line. <laughs> yeah. You know, if the, if this bracket had broken out differently, and 2013 Miami had played against 2016 Golden State. I think I might have picked 2013 Miami in that matchup. Uh, but they uh, they were poorly coached. That I <laughs> and uh, did not make it out of the uh, out of the second. <laughs> they were poorly coached. I, I see your plan though. When when Nate floated this idea to me, I said something about how to handle these Warriors teams, and he's like, "Ah, let's play it out. Let's see what happens." And uh, you had a you had an ace up your sleeve that never quite made it out of your shirt. Yeah, so 2017 Warriors, 2016 Warriors. Also, I mean, if 2016 Warriors are in a different matchup than 2018 Rockets, then you might start to make the argument of like uh, of the health mattering. Uh, but you know, I think the 2018 Rockets are just as vulnerable there, so I don't think that's a, a major advantage either. Um, so I think you can say I think the 2016 Warriors are better defensively than the 2017 Warriors. Agreed. And I think keep going. I like where you're, I like where you're starting. Um. I think Bogut, now again, how's, how well does he play in the playoffs? He he had some pretty bad games in, in the playoffs, but he does provide an element of rim protection. Now, not that the 2017 Warriors even necessarily need to get to the rim that much, and he's also going to have to get out on the floor, and that's going to open things up. Um, KD, 2016 Warriors, definitely guarded him pretty well. You've got a better Iguodala. You've, you've got a much better Draymond in 2016 than 2017. Yep. And you've got a much better Steph. Yep. Um. Well, well, I think we have to be careful with much better. That's that's the uh, challenge. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think I, I, I think I think you do because um, it just wasn't the same. Just sitting th- through both of those seasons on a night to night basis, the utter abandon with which Steph was playing. If you just watch, say, the highlights of 2017 stuff versus 2016 stuff. Yeah. Like I agree with you. I just the, the the shots that he's throwing up, the utter abandon and joy that he's playing with, his ability to get to the rim. Remember also that he he basically can't train all of the off season before sixteen seventeen because of the injury in twenty sixteen. Yeah, so that that's actually how I see that season for him is is the yeah. regular season and the first I don't know how many games thirty fifty some huge chunk of games is an adjustment period for him. It's an adjustment period for the league with. Durant being there, uh, he he like you said, maybe some rust from the off season. But I think by the time the playoffs come around, I don't know if I would say he's way better as a basketball player. I think his impact and the things that the league were trying to do defensively against him the year before made his impact clearly better. 
but I'm just not sure it's, I think 2016 stuff was better. I'm just not sure in this matchup, I would say, oh, they have like a, a, a nuclear flamethrower on one side of the court. And that 2017 Curry, he's more of a, he's more of a pedestrian guy. He's still really close in, sure. right? That's, that's, that's right. But, but he's, he's missing the incredible off the dribble three point shooting. And I think he's a little bit worse getting to the basket. Like you didn't see just the incredible artful finishes high off the glass quite as much in 17 as you do in 16. Um, let me, let me throw out a stat on these two teams that I love. Yeah. Um, the 2017 Warriors, when the big four were on the court, so that's Durant, Steph, Clay, and Draymond, they played 1,253 minutes together, regular season and playoffs, and their net rating was plus 22. I mean, <laughs> it's it's obviously I'm playing devil's advocate here. It's the most talented team of all time. Yeah, and I think it's not close now. Well, I think offensively, yeah. it's hard for me to mount valid arguments. Not that there aren't teams that are kind of in can sniff it. But there's just so many things that put them over the edge offensively. Their healthy offensive rating was 120 as a team in all the games, 51 yeah. games. Um, the, the stat I was going to counter with was in 2016 when Golden State had their big three at the time, Clay, Draymond, and Steph. Those guys played almost 2,000 minutes, an enormous sample, and they were plus 20. Like That team was so good. The question here to me is how much does the year change the way they defend them how much does the fact that it's the same personnel like in practice do they know that they should defend their actions differently than the league does these are the wrinkles to me yeah well they're gonna switch a lot i mean they're definitely like both teams are gonna be switching against each other a ton I and mean, yeah it, it's just it does i mean i think the 2016 warriors probably have better chemistry um you'll recall i mean that 2016 warriors are one of the greatest clutch teams of all time 2017 Warriors actually really struggle in the clutch. They win really fewer games than they're supposed to when KD is healthy during the regular season. And, you know, the one clutch game really that mattered in the playoffs, um, you know, they did pretty well in that. They come back, I think, from either four or six down at the end yeah. in Cleveland. Yeah. But that 2016 Warriors team, I mean, I do think that they fit together a little better in the clutch. 2017 Warriors, you know, mentally... They were a little dicey early on. I mean, remember they get just get blown out at home in the first game by the Spurs. They lose to the Cavs and Christmas. Uh, they had a game where they blow a 20 point lead at home to Memphis. And even in the KD era, they seemed kind of prone a little bit to some meltdowns. Draymond being able to shoot, I think matters. Bogut is better than Zaza. Uh, Bo Bogut to me is much, yeah, much better. I mean, Bogut has just always been the missing guy discussed on that. 2016 team they were so good defensively yeah. I, I, well he sucked in the playoffs yeah. and he always seemed to suck in the playoffs. yeah i don't i mean i don't know if 2017 warriors are gonna win i'm just trying to decide whether it's like a sweep 4-1 or 4-2 i could even be convinced to go as far as 4-2 okay let, let me let me keep playing devil's advocate here they i always saw bringing in durant and you know that the, the shift from 16 to 17 you sacrifice some depth and you sacrifice some size. And so what are the key pieces outside of the stars on these teams that are playing? It's like you still have Livingston on each team, right? Yeah. Who, who's worse, I think, significantly. Um, David West does come in. They don't have him in 2016. So in 16, they have a, to me, they have a better Iguodala. They have Bogut. They have um, just Bar I mean, Har Harrison Barnes. But you can argue at the end of games that 
just being more stuff centric knowing what we're doing stuff dream on pick and roll barnes is just going to spot up he's not going to carp about not getting the touches 2017 it's the stuff kd pick and roll which uh eh, also pretty good um <laughs> yeah it's not a bad fallback. But, but then you've also got draymond off the ball in those actions and, and 2017 draymond can't shoot and 2016 draymond can't and that's such a big thing for unlocking you know I, I mentioned some of the stats earlier like the like from a full season statistical perspective the 2016 warriors are very close to the 2017 warriors and i think a lot of that yeah. wasn't just defense it was having draymond green be able to shoot and punish all of that because you can't guard all five of them and so he's the guy you leave open and what do you say it was 38% just just yeah. being able to hit that shot and also his playmaking and short roll stuff uh, i actually think this is closer than you're making out to be well uh, all right 4-2 is my pick so the 17 warriors have home court they play game 6 at home yeah now who's who's intangibles i think the 2016 warriors are probably actually more motivated in this series than the 2017 warriors I think they have better intangibles. Harrison Barnes like sees that. Oh, you replaced me the next year with KD. I, I think they have more intangibles. I think. I guess he knew that that was coming already. And, and Barnes, I mean, he gets a bad rap for struggling so badly at the end of the Cleveland series, but he was pretty good in the clutch before that. Um, that that team has more chemistry to me and has more fun playing together than the seventeen team. I, I'm. Is it crazy to think that this would go seven games? I mean, that's what I'm thinking here. Well. I mean, ultimately, the 2016 Warriors lose to the 2016 Cavs that we just had the 2017 Warriors beating 4-1. Yeah, but they, they, we, to be consistent, we don't think they were yeah. fully healthy. That's the issue. Right. I, I agree. Um, I think they would, I, just me, I think they would have run that Cavs team if they were healthy. Yeah, and they did in the first two games. And, then the, and they were up 3-1. And if Draymond, I mean, that's, we didn't even mention the fucking suspension. <laughs> that's right. For Draymond, right? Like, they win the series in five if he doesn't get suspended. And, yeah, you know, Draymond did a bunch of dumb shit. So you have to say it's possible that he could get suspended again this year if you go through an entire playoff run. Uh, although they're not playing in the finals here. So maybe by maybe by this point, Draymond uh, has gotten suspended in 2016 because we're in, we're in the finals. But is 2017 um, Draymond suspended as well then? No, because he he really had like a moment of change, and he's uh, he's a new man in twenty six. I don't know. I I mean I, I don't think it's pretty <laughs> fun to talk about him getting suspended. Joking aside, um, who does? Here's oof. the question: Who does he kick? Yeah, well, they do play against the the twenty sixteen Thunder earlier in these playoffs. Also, oh, here's another thing for you too, though, Ben. Twenty sixteen Warriors are so much more worn down playing twenty sixteen Thunder and then twenty eighteen Houston. Whereas 2017 Warriors have kind of cruised through. All right, that's, so that's a good point. That's a good point. I, I, yeah, I think it's got. I'm going to say four, six. I, I, yep. I can't quite go. I'm yeah. going to say six. Okay. All right. Wow. That's it. We're done. That was that was fast. <laughs> yeah, only an hour and fifty two. Time flies when you're having fun, though. This is a total of three hours. I promised that this wouldn't take as long as you take with Danny, and then we did take this long. But it's. I mean, this is one of my favorite shows that we've ever done, though. This is this was. This awesome. is pretty. I I please tweet us about this. There's like about oh yeah a million sure. a million things to get into um thanks thanks for involving me in this i haven't done anything like this in years and you know my my personality doesn't like i have to keep diving deeper i'm watching film on saturday night from the 13 finals it's it was a ball well thanks and i, I think this was more fun to me than doing like an all-time team bracket would be because the styles are just so different you know some team from the a is just gonna get worked so like it, it's just yeah, I had the, this was close enough where you could still see some stylistic differences as the decade went on, but uh, and I had to sort of reorient. I I've never done that kind of 
or I shouldn't say never, but it's just been so long since I've had that approach that when I was stacking up the teams on my draft board, it, it took me a while to get more matchup sensitive. Um, yeah, that, that was really something that played out that was very exciting. And I, and I even think, you know, if anything, most of the cases we were probably too vanilla, you know, like certain things are, there's going to be upsets. Certain things are going to happen. Close series are going to go the other way. And yeah, I mean, we had two upsets. I know we had three upsets. So no chalk. Oh, is that right? Yeah. What? No, I think we, I think we had four. We had four. We had Thunder, 2016 Thunder beat the 2016 Spurs. Uh, then we had, uh, 2016 Cavs beating the 2013 Heat. Yep. The six, the six, uh, 6-3, the Rockets beat the Spurs. Yeah. Okay. So I guess it was only, I guess it was only three upsets, but that's about right for a playoffs though. Sounds pretty good. Um, how many seven game series we had? We had Raptors Bucks. That was like a clear seven gamer. Cavs, 2016 Cavs, 2013 Heat was a seven gamer. Those only two seven gamers we had? I think so, yeah. Yeah. That's about normal too for a playoffs, isn't it? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, that yeah. I mean, it could it can certainly fall that way. All right, I'll let you go here before we hit the two hour mark. <laughs> um fo- follow Ben's YouTube page at uh the Thinking Basketball YouTube page. His book back in twenty eleven was a revolutionary book. If you read that thing, you're like, Wow, someone was thinking this way in twenty eleven, that's pretty good. Uh, uh Thinking Basketball is that book. What else do you need to talk about? Thinking Basketball podcast. Oh yeah. yeah, on which I appeared, uh, also discussing historical stuff. Yeah, we uh, did last week. That feels like about a month ago now. We did uh, all-time great power forwards. That was really fun. Yeah, ironically, we actually recorded that just before starting this podcast. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I think that's everything. Yeah. I don't know. Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Thinking Basketball is the place yeah. where you can... a lot of these proprietary stats yeah. you've got on there. Yeah, exactly. So you can get uh, leaderboards for these stats during the season. We do uh, podcast post shows. We have a Discord community where you can talk about. Got a lot of people in there talk about historical stuff all the time. We just had um, an all-time team tournament. It wasn't based on all-time teams that were structured teams like the 2016 Thunder. It was draft players and then argue about how they would play. Um, so we got all that. We got sometimes special Patreon videos. I think that's everything. I always forget to plug my stuff but yeah i think that's everything D- discord huh that that'll be a good way to describe what's going to happen when people hear about the 2016 Cavs being <laughs> the 2013 heat you think that's the one that's going to get them well it is for me i don't know if i can accurately describe it i think maybe 18 rockets over 14 spurs i think is probably gonna uh raise some eyebrows for some people we will see but i i felt actually pretty clear on that one I and mean, that's one where it's just the the historical evolution I mean, the reality is we probably got every game perfectly. <laughs> all right. On that note, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.